Welcome, glad that you are here, especially if you're visiting with us, and maybe this is the first or the second or third time or so that you've been our way. We're excited. Let's get a chance to meet you, say hello, introduce ourselves, and we're hoping you'll come back every opportunity that you can. Now, I'd be admiss if I didn't say Happy Father's Day. I'm a father. You're probably a father. You deserve a day. I deserve a day. Dad, you're doing a great job. And I think it's great that we have something like that reserved for us. A tremendous responsibility that we have, which we're going to talk about momentarily, but Happy Father's Day. I hope that maybe your family will take you out after the sermon to Red Robin and buy you a cheeseburger. That's what my hope is for me and my family. Hint, hint, hint. But Happy Father's Day. On a serious note, Please keep keep, uh, Cliff and Owen in your prayers. Obviously, they're doing a good work. They're a long way away. Um, There's been some pictures on Facebook of the things that they're doing. It looks like they're doing great, but please keep them in your prayers because what they're doing, obviously, is a little ways away, can be a little bit on the dangerous side. Let's make sure we pray for safe travels with the good work that they are doing. There's a word on the screen behind me. I want you to look at it. I want you to think about it. And if today was your last day, your legacy has now been penned. It's now permanent. It's now cemented. Would you be happy with it? Would you be able to say that I have accomplished everything that I want to accomplish? That The people that know me the best, specifically my children, have learned everything that they need in this life and the next to be successful. Now I know not everyone is in a situation perhaps that I am in or perhaps that you're in as we think about Father's Day. Father's Day for some people may not be a very happy memory. I know because of challenges in life, because of a divorce situation, because of a death in the family, that maybe mom and dad are not maybe in the position where they should be or could be and they need assistance from somebody else. Maybe grandma and grandpa or aunt and uncle or a guardian perhaps who's not even related with blood has kind of had to step in to a certain extent and shoulder the responsibility of the legacy of teaching our children what they need to know. You know, every year about this time, I give myself a report card. I think back on, Jeff, have you and Suzanne taught your kids what they need to do to be successful? We've talked about laundry, and we've talked about making sure vehicle maintenance is done because that's so important. We've talked about finances, and my favorite, we had the birds and the bees discussion. Hit me up later after the lesson, I'll tell you how that went. We try to talk about information that is so vital, that is so important, that they need to know to be successful. But I know that you know that we don't always have all the opportunities that we want, that someday our destiny is going to be there whether we like it or not. That communicating with our children will cease. And they will have the information and the knowledge that they have to pursue their life, to be successful here, to be successful with God, or they will not. 
So as you think about your legacy, as I want you to do this morning on this Father's Day, I want you to think about where your legacy is. I want you to think about whether or not you're happy with your legacy. I want you to think about whether or not you can improve your legacy if you need to do something different. Because inevitably, our time will cease at some point. Our legacy will cease, and at some point, people will say, that Jeff Mason, yeah, I heard this, or I heard that, good or bad, our legacy will be in stone. I think, unfortunately, maybe sometimes we spend too much time on the laundry and maybe the birds and the bees and the finances and the car maintenance and the things that maybe we think are so important, and they are important. But I wonder sometimes if maybe, as Christians, the legacy that we should be presenting to our children as God being the cornerstone and the focal point and the most important thing, I wonder if we fall short on that sometimes. So just for a few moments this morning, I want us to look at the Bible like we always do for the answer to this question behind me. What should our legacy be as a Christian? What should our legacy truly be as a Christian? Because I want you to walk out of here tonight, this morning, this afternoon, right now, thinking about your legacy. And I want you to realize that if we focused on the things that are important in this life, but yet we've never answered that question for our kids for the next life, I want you to know that we've failed if that's the case. There are so many things here that are important. There are so many things that need to be talked about. There's so much information we need to transfer to our children and those that are most important to us. And we have such little time. But if we don't have this honest question, and if we don't present that legacy, that godly legacy, where God is the most important thing for us, we will have failed. What should our legacy be as Christians? Let's go to the Bible for the answer, and the best place that I know of to go to that is in Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24, that's where we're going to be this morning just for a few minutes. And if you're new to the Bible, that's okay. Christianity is is a growing experience. You never stop learning, you never stop growing, so please don't feel ashamed if this is new to you. Joshua's if I do my math right, it's about the sixth book of the Bible, so it'll be towards the front of your Bible. It's in what we call the Old Testament, and Joshua is one of the, the most prominent, most faithful characters that we can think of. And Joshua answers this question for us. He tells us what leaving a godly legacy is all about, and I think we can learn quite a bit from Joshua. Again, if you don't remember where Joshua falls in all this, you probably remember Moses. You remember the the Ten Commandments. Moses, many, many years ago, went and rescued, obviously, with God's help, the Israelites, the children, God's children. They were held captivity in, in Egypt for many, many, many years because of their unfaithfulness. Moses comes on scene, and with God's help, he takes them out of that situation. And the whole purpose was to bring them to a land named Canaan. That was the promised land. That was the land that God had given His people because they were so special. But unfortunately, just as they're about to get to Canaan, Moses is not allowed to go into Canaan. 
Joshua comes on scene. Now, Joshua was a protege of Moses. He was one of the original spies, if you remember that story. And his faithfulness was tremendous. He takes the baton from Moses. He takes the children of Israel, God's people, into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 23 and 24, he presents his legacy. He tells the people how important God is in their life. And he basically says, remember everything God has done for you. Remember how important you were as a people to God. Make sure you're always keeping God in the forefront because nothing else, nothing else matters. So if we make God our legacy, like Joshua tells us we should, we're going to be, begin here in chapter 23 in verse 1. Chapter 23 in very, very, very verse, uh, verse 1 and verses 2. This is called Joshua's farewell address. He's advanced in age. He's very old at this time, but he's remained faithful during his course, during his life. And as we read this, he calls the children of Israel together to kind of give them one last pep talk, one last briefing, one last face-to-face contact to let them know where their priorities should be. And as I read this, I was thinking to myself, Certainly, after everything he's been through, and as advanced as age as he is at this point, there's probably other things on his mind. He probably doesn't feel good. He probably hurts. He probably wants to to sleep more than normal. But he takes time to tell people about God. And by way of application, I think sometimes that's where we miss the boat. We put so many other things in front of God instead of, taking the time, and if we don't feel good, to let our kids know what's important, our loved ones to know what's important. And in chapter 23, beginning in verse 1, we have this. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in years. And this is what he says. That Joshua called for all of Israel, for their elders, for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in years. Understand, God has been protecting them. They're now in Canaan. They're now in the promised land. And God has been protecting them. They haven't done this on their own. God has provided that protection because they are His people and because He loves them. And Joshua is reminding them of that. After Joshua calls everyone together, gets all of their attention, he gives them a reminder. Parents, you ever had to remind your kids of anything? I mean, maybe you had the kids that the very first time you told them where to put their dirty socks, it actually made it in the hamper. If you're lucky enough to do that, I'd really like to know what your secret is. Kids need reminders. The children of Israel needed constant reminders. We need reminders. We can get into the position where We can become negative and so frustrated about everything, and everything is wrong in our life. But we forget how blessed we truly are. And Joshua begins in verse 3 by talking to them and reminding them how blessed they are. Verse 3, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is He who has been fighting for you. Verse 4, So I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as inheritance for your tribes, 
with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you, and you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then and keep all that you do which is written in the book of the laws of Moses that you may not turn aside from it to the right or to the left, meaning not to deviate from what God has told them to do. Now look down at verse 8. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done this day. For the Lord your God has driven out great and strong nations from before you, and as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. He gives them a reminder. He tells them what God has done for them and what he expects them to continue doing, again, making God that priority. I like how he continues here in verses 11 and following. He tells them about the consequences. And again, I go back to child-rearing his parents. We say, those dirty clothes have to go in the hamper, or then we name the consequence. Remember the last five or six or 35 times you didn't put your dirty clothes in the hamper? Remember what happened? Remember the spanking? Remember the timeout? Remember the grounding? Remember taking that toy away from you? He goes into the consequences and lets them know that if you don't follow God, if that's not going to be your legacy, there's going to be consequences. Verse 11 and following. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Verse 12. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them, and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you but they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this land which the Lord God has given to you. Consequences. He tells them again, God has these expectations of you like He does all of us. And if you remember your history with the children of Israel, over and over and over and over and over, they became out of God's graces because of their lack of faithfulness, for not following God as they were supposed to. Joshua goes over the consequences, just like we would as we love and we raise our children, as we start to continue that legacy that we have with them. Chapter 24, about verse 2, Joshua continues his thoughts, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of skip through this a little bit more. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, he gives them a history lesson. And I, again, I equate this to parenting. I think about all the times maybe when I have said, remember what I've done for you? Do you remember all these things I do? Do you remember you're living in my house, eating my food, using my Wi-Fi, my electricity? That's my refrigerator your dinner is going to be in. He gives them this history lesson that you didn't do this on your own. God has been with you. The legacy that you have right now, it's because of God and the influence that God has in your life. And in verse 2 of chapter 24, Joshua says this, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all of the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave Mount Sai to possess it. But Jacob and all his sons went down to Egypt. 
Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in its midst. And afterward, I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and Egypt pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. Do you remember that story? you remember the triumphant exodus out of Egypt? Pharaoh with all his army is just right on their heels, pursuing them. The Red Sea opens up. They get across on dry land, and then it consumes Pharaoh and his army as they go across. What a tremendous story. And you would think that being not very far removed from that incident, it would be very fresh in their imaginations. It would be, it would be very meaningful to them as a people. But Joshua was having to remind them of something that they knew very well. It wasn't that they had forgotten about it. It was that they, it no longer had meaning to them. You see, living that legacy that we should be doing as godly people putting God in our lives, a lot of times it's not just we know we should be doing that. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. But I'm trying to encourage you and I'm trying to motivate you to actually do that in your life. So it's not what you know. It's really what you do. It's what you love. And We can see that they had a problem back then with that as well. Verse 7 and verse 8, But when they cried out to the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and went their own eyes, saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who lived beyond the Jordan, and fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. And he goes on and tells them about more things, giving them more of a history lesson, then he comes to verse 13. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them. You are eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. That's kind of that drop-the-mic moment. He's basically saying you didn't do any of these things. God did these things for you. This, again, is the equivalent of you're eating my food, you're using my Wi-Fi, that's my electricity. Those clothes you're wearing right now, I bought those for you. This is what Joshua is having to remind them of. And then Joshua follows that up with some very familiar verses to many of us. And Joshua says, you do what you want. But he puts out what his legacy is. And I want you to understand the influence of that. Just because I stand up here before you and I have that privilege, please don't misunderstand. I can do better. I am challenged with things. I make mistakes. I sin a whole lot more than I feel comfortable with. Joshua is telling them this. You make your decisions. But this is what I'm going to be doing. My legacy, beginning in chapter 24, in verse 14 and verse 15, is this. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him with sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. For if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land that you dwell. But as for me, and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you know how many problems in the family, in society, relationships, personal issues we would have if we simply followed that? saying, you do what you want, 
But me, my household, all the people within my control, God's going to be number one for us. Think about how many problems that would solve if we simply had that demeanor, that encouragement, that motivation, that attitude. Now I can see the people digesting this. I can see them thinking about this. They're thinking about the history lesson. They're thinking about the reminders. Joshua just now thrown down the gauntlet, letting him know what his legacy is going to be. And the people have to make a decision in chapter 24 and verse 22. Notice what they say. They say they're going to follow God as well. They're going to follow God as well. But they say it in a little bit different tone. You'll notice it as yours, my witness. As Joshua, as you stand before me now, as the other Israelites are here before me today, as you're my witness, God's going to be my priority. Let me encourage you, by way of application, to think about that with your family, with moms and dads and children and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and however your family is made up, to think about that. Feed off of one another. Encourage one another. As God is my witness, I want you to help me make God my legacy, and I'm going to help you make God your legacy. This is what Joshua is trying to do to the people, to get them encouraged, to stir them up, and to get them motivated, saying this is what God has done for you. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? Is God part of your legacy as you think about your legacy? I'm almost done. I'm winding down, but there's three things I want you to take away with. This morning, just three things. If you're a note taker, I made it really, really simple. And I hope you like colors. First of all, to make God our legacy, you have to be purposeful. It isn't going to happen on its own. You can't rely upon somebody else to be doing it. That burden, or I'll call it that privilege, falls upon you regardless of how your family is made up. It falls upon you, and you have to be purposeful. You have to make time. You have to make sure that you're reasonable with what you are doing. Joshua chapter 23, verse 11, Joshua says this, So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. And I look at it like being pregnant. Either you are or you're not. Either God is our legacy, God is our priority, or it's not. Take diligent, earnest heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. It's not going to happen on its own. Parents, grandparents, guardians, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be purposeful to make God your legacy. It's not going to happen on your own. Number two, priority. You've got to make sure God is that priority in your life. Not only do we have to be purposeful, making sure we're diligent about those things. It's got to be a priority. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 again, it says, at the very bottom, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All too often, and I say this with, with years of, of, of criminal justice experience, and I've got to see an inside look at the, some of the families and some of the breakdown of the families because of the crime-ridden nature of them and the challenges that they have. I tell you this, this is so important. We can find time to do everything else that we want to do. We can do the Starbucks run. We can attend the ball game. We can go to the Cub Scout meetings. There's all kind of entertainment that we can watch and we can be part of. But when it comes time to serving God, it seems like the excuses at times, they're unending. If you don't make God a priority in your lives, I promise you, 
your children will not either. That legacy that you're thinking about right now and that I've been thinking about as well, it will not be complete if God is not a priority in your life. He has to be a priority. Be purposeful. Make God a priority. And last but not least, be persistent. Joshua chapter 24, verse 22, he says this, Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen for yourself the Lord to serve Him. Be persistent. Think of that, perhaps that five or that six-year-old that you have at home who knows they shouldn't eat candy. Or perhaps they shouldn't have a Dr. Pepper after about eight or nine o'clock at night. Unless they go to the grandparents, and of course, there's no rules there. They can have all those candies and sodas there. But you don't want them having Dr. Pepper after about 7 or 8 o'clock at night. You don't want them having candy for obvious reasons. We think about the cavities, the caffeine. You have to be persistent because simply by telling them one time doesn't mean they're never going to do it again. If your kids are anything like mine, it's every 30 seconds, every minute, every 5 minutes. There's a persistent, can I have a Dr. Pepper? No, I just told you 5 minutes ago you couldn't. 5 minutes later, can I have a Dr. Pepper? No, the answer is still no. Then you try to explain it away. Making your legacy is no different. Making God your legacy is absolutely no different. It's persistent. There are times you feel like being here. There are times it's easier to get up than others. I don't know about your body, but my body hurts. It is hard getting out of bed in the morning. Sometimes it's easier being a Christian, but I can guarantee you when you're not doing it, when you're being that what I'm going to call a part-time Christian and we know there is no such thing, this persistence is not there and your kids are going to notice that. Be purposeful. Make God a priority in your lives. Be persistent in everything that you do. So as we close this morning, I hope you've had a chance to think about this. I have taken an honest look about what my legacy is. And I want to make some changes too. When you look at what your legacy is being a Christian, and we've talked about all those things throughout our lesson this morning, where is your attendance? Are you here when you need to be here? Where's your prayer life? I you know I've found with my prayer life, if my prayer life's suffering, that's usually a pretty good indicator that other areas of my Christian life are suffering. The other day we were sitting down to, to eat a meal and you know, it was one of those days, I remember skipping breakfast, so I was, I was hungry, and I was just, I got about three bites, and I looked like one of those squirrels that had nuts in my cheeks, and one of my sons says, Dad, we forgot to pray. Mm. One of those situations. Part of me was embarrassed, and part of me was ashamed, but part of me was proud because they reminded me that my legacy wasn't where it needed to be. Where's your attendance? Where's your prayer life? Where's your giving? You know, again, I know I mentioned this, but this is another good indication of where we're at with God and whether He is a legacy to us or not. And please understand, again, our children know and see if we do this or don't do this, if God is a priority in our lives and all these other areas, but especially giving. Where are you with your giving? Your attendance? Your prayer? Your knowledge? Do you open the Bible every day or try to? Sit down with the family. I know I need to do better about that too. I'm usually studying for lessons or I'm doing things for me from my side, from the ministerial side, but oftentimes I don't do a good enough job with my kids or with Suzanne. You know, to be pleasing to God, we've got to know about God. 
To live for God, we have to know about God. To teach our kids and to pass on the godly legacy, we have to know about God. We've got to open the book to get the knowledge. Our influence, our example, those who know us the best, are they going to say, Jeff, Jeff was a faithful man. I don't know how many, how many funerals I've been to. And it's always good to know and have that comfort that the person was a faithful Christian. And of course, God is going to make that decision, not us. But there's always indicators in that person's life. His attendance, his prayer, his giving, his knowledge, the example he set, what you can outwardly see gives us an indication of where they are faithful-wise. What kind of example are you? The people that know you the best, your family, your neighbors. Would they say, Jeff's a faithful guy, I guess. I mean, he left every Sunday morning. He was wearing a tie. I assume he was going to church. But other than that, I really wouldn't have known by his language, by his conduct, things he watched, entertainment, how he conducted himself. Where's our example? Where's our influence? And last but not least, and this lesson will be yours, morality. And what I mean by that is the doors are closed, the lights are off, family's away, it's just you and God. Where's your morality? Where's your faithfulness? Where's your legacy then? And I tell you, these are the biggest traps for us sometimes because no one's there to witness it other than God. We think we get away with it other than God. And this kind of falls by the wayside sometimes for us. Attendance, prayer, giving, knowledge, your example, your influence, your morality. And I could go on and on and on. But this is the advice that Joshua is giving us. You, as fathers, as guardians, as grandparents, as aunt and uncle, this is the advice he's given us today to make sure that God, God, nothing else, just God, God is our legacy. Because there is going to come a time, we don't know when, our lives will be no more, you and I will be here, our kids will be on their own, and I hope and I pray that they can say that my mom, my dad, they left me a godly legacy for me to follow. What will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? Lesson is yours this morning. If you're here this morning, maybe and your legacy isn't where you would like it to be. Maybe your legacy is tarnished. Maybe it needs to be improved. Maybe you need to work on some things because you still have time. That's the good news. We still have time to improve these things. I want you to know that your legacy can be improved. I want you to know that you still do have some time to work on that. If you're here this morning and you're thinking about putting Jesus Christ in on baptism, making Him your legacy, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you're willing to live with Him and for Him for your whole life, you've repented of those things that you've done in the past that God would see as wrong or sinful, and as we say, that they were missing the mark. If you're here, you're willing to do that and confess Jesus Christ, that you believe that He is, with all of your heart, the Son of God. You can be baptized this morning in water for the forgiveness of your sins, and you can start living the legacy for you, for your family, and for your kids, the people that are most important in our whole lives. It gives you something to think about. Please think about this while together we stand.